0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Jim McKelvey, co-founder of Square with Jack Dorsey and founder of LaunchCode, the education program that trains people for the high-tech world. It's five years old. McKelvey has half a dozen high-profile startups in operation and many irons in the fire. I spoke with him yesterday. He is especially proud of St. Louis headquartered LaunchCode, and it is on the move.
1: So uh, I'm the founder of LaunchCode, and uh, most of my role is ceremonial now because the real work's done in uh, the St. Louis headquarters and in the regional offices. But what we're doing is uh, reaching out to people who want to get uh, careers in programming. Um, we give them free education and job placement, and the numbers are piling up. So that's what LaunchCode is in a nutshell.
0: What, what kind of numbers are we talking about?
1: Well, we've got over 1,400 careers that we've launched so far in the five years that uh, LaunchCode has been there. Um, But that doesn't count the people who have taken our training and gotten uh, placed elsewhere. So we're uh, looking at about 5,000 people who've uh, gotten some sort of training from LaunchCode. And we have over uh, 800 uh, active company partners now. So it's a huge family of both people seeking careers and, more importantly, companies who want talent.
0: No shortage of uh, jobs for these graduates, are there?
1: No, there's tremendous demand. What people don't realize is that every company these days is a technology company. So I'm sitting here at Carnival Cruise Lines right now, and they just spent two hours showing me through their data centers, and they are doing tremendously cool things uh, at Carnival with data on cruise ships.
0: Who Who are the uh, people who are coming to you for this training?
1: Well, they're people who think they want to become programmers. So uh, we touch all walks of life. Uh, we don't have any... Restrictions on who can take the training. Uh, the youngest I know was about 15, and the oldest was uh, 70s. And it ranges across all demographics. But really, it's something that the person has to really want to do because programming is not easy, uh, but for some of us it is. So if you're the sort of person who likes games, likes math, likes music, likes uh, solving puzzles, uh, if you've got a good attention to detail, um, if you've always liked playing with computers, you may be one of these people for whom the difficult stuff seems easy. And, boy, we love having those people in.
0: I'm a little surprised at the age range you gave me. I would have thought that most of the people you'd be dealing with would be uh, quite young, the millennial generation.
1: No. Uh, one of the interesting things about LaunchCode is that um, we tend to skew a little bit higher because a lot of the people who are taking the LaunchCode trainings have people who have started a career somewhere else and then realize that, hey, I really should have been a programmer. I should have worked with computers. Well, what we say is, come on, do it. And in about six months, a person uh, with a proper training can get employed. So we don't see that as a barrier anymore.
0: We hear so much these days about uh, how, how few people are going into the STEM discipline, science, the technology, engineering, and math, and that that's going to create a huge deficit down the line, and probably for the high-tech field, too. Uh, are you sensing that at all? Do you see any kind of a change in the works, or is this new technology maybe inspiring younger people to uh, go into those disciplines?
1: Well, we definitely have a STEM shortage in the United States, and frankly worldwide, but it's profound in the United States. What we've discovered, however, is that computer programming can be taught very, very efficiently using a combination of online learning and then classroom learning and then teamwork. And using those things, we can teach competency in programming uh, very quickly. So I'm not saying you could be a you know, mechanical engineer in six months, but we can certainly make you a computer programmer in six months. Now, you're not going to be experienced but you will have enough experience to go out and get a job. And you'll be doing meaningful work, and then over the course of the next couple of years on the job, uh, your skills will continue to improve. So it's really a way of solving part of that STEM problem, uh, at least for the programming part.
0: How long is your training, and uh, how easy is it for people to get, uh, get involved?
1: Well, we, we make it as easy as possible, uh, so you can apply at launchcode.org and uh, sign up. Uh, The classes are open and free, Um, but we do have limited amounts of space in the classes. So we we allow people to uh, try to get into classes. If if we don't have space for everybody, we can then give those people chances to take the classes online at home. And if they can do the first couple of assignments, we then usually can get them a spot in the class. So we don't turn away anybody. But that's not to say that everybody makes it. Uh, The material is very difficult. Uh, we don't dumb it down or slow it down or try to accommodate uh the people uh who who don't want to work hard or don't have the aptitude um, so it's it's a tough course of study but um we've had people complete it and get jobs in as little as six months, but you can also take longer we've had people that have stretched that training out over. The course of a year or longer.
0: You got into all of this because you detected a deficit in high tech uh, qualified people in St. Louis. Do you think we still have that deficit here?
1: I know we do uh, because we're trying to hire engineers now at Square in St. Louis, and uh, we see the job market, Um, although it's not as bad as I think it was seven years ago when uh, jack and i uh, decided to not have a technical office here in st louis mm-hmm. uh, we ended up because of launch code meeting with hundreds of other employers and there's a huge tech shortage it is so huge that literally is constraining the growth of every corporation in st louis
0: jack of course jack dorsey the founder of twitter and your longtime associate and partner in crime on a couple of fronts
1: yeah right? jack and i go way back
0: <laughs> do the grads who graduate from launch code here in st louis stay in st louis
1: Yes, most of them stay in St. Louis. Um, we do have some mobility. Uh, we've actually brought people to St. Louis from other cities. Uh, I know some people here. Um, I'm calling you from Miami today, and some of the graduates down here decided they wanted to work for uh, Boeing, uh, so they moved up to St. Louis. But we, you know, move move around. Generally, though, launch coders tend to be a little bit older. They tend to be a little more rooted in the community and therefore they tend to get a job where they live. But the cool thing about Launch Code is that the candidate tends to choose the company because we have hundreds of employers. Once you get through the launch code program, we pretty much present you with a list of options. So you can choose the part of town you want to work in, the type of company you want to work for, do you want to work for a big company, a startup. Um, and you know, the, to the extent we can the type of work that you want to do. Do you want to do database? Do you want to do front end? Do you want to do something that's heavy in math or something that interacts with people? So we really try to get a very good fit. And there's a tremendous amount of choice when you've got hundreds and hundreds of employers in a region.
0: You've got a pretty big footprint right now in St. Louis with the launch code and a big office over at Cortex for Square. Why, why St. Louis?
1: Well, St. Louis is my hometown. And um, when we launched Square, uh, we saw this shortage of programmers. Now, we didn't have the ability to do anything about it at the time, but I made it one of the things that I wanted to address uh, when I came back to St. Louis uh, from San Francisco uh, to address that problem. And that's what started Launch Code. So we've been around for five years. Um, but then we got a Square office back in. St. Louis, and we love employing people in St. Louis. And the, the people in St. Louis have a great attitude. Uh, they love working for Square. So it's it's been a fantastic uh, marriage of need and talent.
0: And Square is expanding right here. Uh, just very recently, we're reading that uh, over at Cortex, they're expanding quite significantly.
1: Oh, yes. We, we hope those articles keep coming, because i like to see more and more of my fellow St. Louisans employed here.
0: You, of course, uh, are an entrepreneur. And St. Louis is really uh, gathering, uh, garnering quite a reputation as a place for entrepreneurs and startups. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, St. Louis is a very friendly environment. It's very forgiving. Uh, The accessibility that you have to uh, talent and to facilities is fantastic. I mean, we have programmers and San Francisco that are making well into six figures uh, who have five roommates. Um, It's becoming very difficult to start a company in a high-cost location because you burn through your money too quickly and uh, one little mistake and you're dead. Uh, What we find in St. Louis, it's a much more forgiving environment. Not to say that it's cheap, but it is, you know, a dollar goes further. And then we are building an ecosystem. And that ecosystem is important because people with different talents Uh, get together and enhance those talents uh, as a group. So we're starting to see that flywheel spin uh, in the Midwest and not just in the coast.
0: I guess Cortex is right at the center of that ecosystem.
1: Yes, Cortex is brilliant. I mean, uh, Cortex is the model for the world. And what Dennis Lauer and the folks at Washington University and the Cortex team have done are just transformative and if you remember what that area of town looked like 20 years ago, as mm-hmm. I do, it's miraculous. But, but it's not just the physical transformation. It's become a center of excellence. It's become this sort of genius cluster that is uh, attracting more smart people, more energetic people, more people who want to build things and do things and make things uh, to our region.
0: What is the secret of that, do you think? I mean, it didn't start big. It built, but it built relatively quickly. What, uh, what is the genius of that whole operation?
1: I don't know, Don. That it's genius. I think it's uh, it, I think it's guts. I think it's uh, an institution like Washington University and uh, the medical school, uh, which has a campus there, uh, identifying a need and putting uh, resources and an idea out, and then just working, working, working. And Dennis Lauer, who. You know, LED Cortex uh, has done a spectacular job of attracting excellence and talent. But, you know, look, it, it's easy to come up with these ideas. It's hard to execute. And what Cortex is doing so well is executing.
0: We're talking with Jim McKelvey, the entrepreneur who is the founder of Launch Code, which has a very robust existence uh, in this country today, training a lot of people to get into the high-tech field. We'll continue this conversation in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air and St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. And now we're back with entrepreneur Jim McKelvey, the founder of LaunchCode, which is now observing its fifth anniversary here in St. Louis. Jim, let me talk to you about the future. I was sort of intrigued, well, I was intrigued by reading about Invisibly, one of your new ventures. Explain what that's all about, if you would. It seems most intriguing to those of us in in journalism.
1: So Invisibly is addressing a core problem that every person in the world, but certainly every American can relate to, and that is you don't have control over your online identity. You have less and less control over the content that you're presented and no control over how your eyeballs are bought and sold. So what Invisibly does in a seamless way is it gives you that control back. And in the process, we're solving a very sort of technical economic problem, which is that today, Don, if I trick you into watching 15 seconds of a video that's terrible, those 15 seconds of stolen attention earn the same amount of money for that video's creator as if I craft 15 seconds. that's just beautiful. You're basically living in a world online where you are not allowed to pay more for good stuff and less for bad stuff. And what we want to do at Invisibly is fix that. We want to give the individual control over how their attention is bought and sold and their online experience. And uh, I don't want to go into the economics because it's you know, two whiteboards full of formulas, but, mm-hmm. but basically it gives the individual control, and you want that control. And the analogy that I use is, hey, if we passed the law in St. Louis that every meal costs $10, you might be excited for the first day and try to go to a nice restaurant, but by the second week, those nice restaurants would be closed. You want to live in a world where you can pay more for good and less for bad and that's what Invisibly gives us.
0: Where is it now? I mean, where, is it still on the drawing board, or have you uh, got it up and out there somewhere?
1: No, we've got uh, over 20 people uh, in uh, on both coasts and in St. Louis working on the problem. We, it's, it's a large effort, so uh, we're working with a bunch of media companies, working with a bunch of brands. A uh, tremendous amount of engineering talent is going into this, and then, believe it or not, um, uh, I've been talking to some economists at the Federal Reserve in St. Louis uh, to help make sure that we get the economics of it right for everybody. But we're being very, very uh, uh, methodical about how we build what is ultimately going to be something that uh, gives people more choice.
0: I was curious about your association with the Federal Reserve. You have some sort of uh, association beyond what you've just described, don't you?
1: I'm <laughs> miraculously, I'm an independent director of the St. Louis Federal Reserve, so I'm. Uh, I get to go to the board meetings and listen to uh, very, very brilliant economists uh, talk about the state of the economy and things like the Phillips Curve and all
0: sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, well, I remember what Willie Sutton, the famous bank robber, used to say. Uh, he, he robbed banks because that's where the money is. For an entrepreneur, <laughs> being <laughs> where the money is in the Federal Reserve is not a bad place to be.
1: Yes, being at the Federal Reserve makes me feel very, um, uh, very ignorant and very poor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just a massive amount of intelligence and a, a phantasmagorical amount of uh, amount of money that's flowing through uh, our systems. But the beautiful thing about the Fed is that it has remained apolitical. It is a wonderfully focused institution on the needs of not just banks but small businesses, and it. It's really allowed me to see how, because I'm a small business guy. I mean, I'm not a big company person. Um, and I understand what it's like to run a small business. Uh, I've got a, you know, the glass studio is still a small business. And the Fed really affects small businesses. And the decisions we make on interest rates, you know, determine whether or not businesses get loans and whatnot. And the regulations that we put on banks determines whether banks are able to uh, respond flexibly or not. So the Fed's really doing some great work. And I'm proud to be part of
0: it. All you have to do is watch the stock market when the Fed makes a move one way or the other on interest rates, and you get some sense of, uh, of its impact and, and its import. I'd like to back up a little bit back to invisibly, because um, uh, in trying to understand what that's all about, and I know you've explained where you are, but how would that, uh, that concept work with organizations like uh, Google and, and Facebook?
1: Well, I mean, Google and Facebook are really not part of our ecosystem because they don't create content. Now, that's not true for their users. You know, Facebook users and YouTube users uh, post a tremendous amount of content, but that's not what we're concerned about with Invisibly. What we're concerned about at Invisibly are the companies that create content. And by that, I mean invest and take risk. So, for instance, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch sends out reporters. And those reporters sometimes come back with stories. Sometimes they come back with nothing, but they still need to be paid. Uh, Same thing with Warner Brothers, another one of our partners. You know, they'll invest $100 million making a movie. They don't know if that movie is going to be a hit or not. And sometimes they lose money on these, and sometimes they make money. But what we want to do is we want to let them make their money on the hits, because if we take away the money that, for instance, a Warner Brothers would make on a hit movie, then they go out of business, and they can't afford to invest in the content that we want. So it's the same thing with journalism. It's the same thing with magazines. It's the same thing with video and with you know cinema. You want companies to take risk and create great things. Now, they're not always going to succeed, but when they do succeed, they need to be able to profit from it. And right now, uh, the analogy that I used earlier of having you know one price for every meal in town, it destroys the quality. So if Warner Brothers can't make a lot of money from their hits, they're not going to make the hits. And if the Post-Dispatch can't uh, pay the salaries of their reporters from the reporters who have good stories, then we're not going to have reporters. Um, and that's what I'm deeply concerned about at Invisibly, and we're going to fix it.
0: How do we as consumers know what we're getting through this? Or will we oh, know what we're getting?
1: Uh, yes, the consumer experience is, is critical to it. But the reason the company's called Invisibly is because at first, we don't expect people to have to take an active role. So we've designed a system that works seamlessly from the user's perspective. And then as a user chooses to take control, we give them complete control of their media experience. Uh, But it's nothing you ever have to do. So it's uh, probably more than uh, than I can explain over a radio interview. But basically, it's a system that for the first time in your life will give you control. And it's going to be beautiful, especially if you want to get in and play along.
0: Well, I know it's still under development. When do you think it's going to be, uh, you're going to drop it?
1: Well, we'll drop it when it's ready. Uh, <laughs> you know, ask, ask, ask somebody who's doing software development and then media work uh, for a deadline and you'll hear somebody lying. Uh, so all I can tell you is that we've got a team of world-class people. We're working really, really hard, and our first uh, test results have been coming out of the labs uh, very positive, so we 're doing a bunch of testing over at Stanford uh on just the basic concepts, you know just proving the basics of what we 're doing uh The numbers are coming in well, and i 'm excited that they 're going you know prove out to be a better experience for everybody
0: what What else do you have on the drawing board that you can talk about
1: oh that 's it that 's plenty. my my drawing board is full
0: <laughs> I just want to keep you busy, Jim. Just want to keep you busy. <laughs>
1: Well, you could come to Third Friday's uh, anniversary party. The Third Friday of October is our uh, annual anniversary. That'll be fun. Uh, we'll see you there. And, and Invisibly has its five-year anniversary, so we got we got that and that. And Square's hiring, and if you don't want that, then uh, I'll see you online with Invisibly, uh, hopefully in 2019.
0: We'll look for that. The Geek Gala is something that uh, is happening just within the next uh, day or two, isn't it?
1: Yeah, the Geek Gale is fantastic, and uh, it's fun. Uh, it's a bunch of great people, a bunch of employers. It's just a good party, and come, especially if you're one of these people who've thought about, maybe you want to become a programmer, maybe you have a friend who'd like to do it. Come and see people like you. The most beautiful thing about the Geek Gale is when you come in, it's not just a bunch of your stereotypical you know, under-30 programming bros. Like It's, it's a group group that looks like however you look. And I don't care if you're any age, any race, any, 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 come on in and find your group because that's what's happened. When Launch Code opened up the opportunity, we found that all people from all walks of life seem to have the same talents. And so uh, they're all there.
0: All, and you, have come do, and, all you have to yeah. do is show up.
1: Yeah, come and meet them. Come, okay. and meet, come and meet people that are like you and folks that, uh, that you'd like to be like someday. It's, it's fun and it's open to all.
0: I'll put the information on that uh, uh, at the end of our discussion and also put it on our website so folks can get a handle on when it's happening. It is tomorrow, that is Thursday, uh, from 5.30 to 11 o'clock. Jim McKelvey, thanks so much for being with us. It's uh, a pleasure to talk to you and, and hear somebody like you talking about all the positive things that are happening out there in this, this
1: high-tech world. Don, I love St. Louis, and it's a wonderful place. Thank you for helping us get the word out.
0: Jim McKelvey, co-founder of Square with Jack Dorsey and founder of LaunchCode. The event commemorating the fifth anniversary of LaunchCode, the LaunchCode Geek Gala, is tomorrow from 5.30 to 11 at the LaunchCode Mentor Center on Del Mar. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWME.